0: never even mentioned the brain. It was all about strong bones and strong muscles. And so that's what we were taught, we were eating for, when in fact the brain is the most metabolically active organ we have and the general public doesn't know that nutrition is relevant to the brain.
1: Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark, big or small, is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with energy and joy. Zestful Aging is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at JudyBanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my email newsletter, The Insider, where you'll get behind-the-scenes looks at my interviews and other fun tidbits. Hi there. Spring has definitely sprung, and I'm seeing little purple crocuses popping up in my neighborhood. And to celebrate the season, I'm taking $20 off of my popular Zestful Aging web course. You will learn the tried and true ways to add zest and vitality to your life, and it comes with a booklet I made just for the course. It's all based on science and my 30 years as a psychotherapist. So high Hop on over to ZestfulAging.com for more information and use the code SPRING2021. You will get $20 off the course and it is going to be a great way to start the season. Now back to the show. Well, you may hear my Jack Russell Sparky snoring right beside me. So let's begin. I am so excited for our interview today. Our topic is profoundly important for anyone who is interested in addressing their or their loved one's mental health and is wary of the massive power and influence of the pharmaceutical companies. According to the CDC, one in five Americans suffer from some sort of mental illness, and antidepressants are some of the most prescribed medications today. In fact, you cannot watch TV without seeing ads for psych meds. Today I have the honor of speaking with research scientists, Dr. Bonnie Kaplan and Dr. Julia Rutledge, authors of the brand new book, The Better Brain. It's the first book to discuss how and why nutrients can be used to treat mental health issues, such as anxiety, depression, ADHD, and PTSD. Welcome to the program, Bonnie and Julia. Thank you, Nicole. Yeah, thank you for having us, Nicole. I'm so excited to speak with you. This combines a lot of issues that I'm passionate about um, as a psychotherapist and um, someone who cares about the world's health. Um, But there are a lot of books being published on nutrition and health, and a lot of Facebook posts, I I suspect, on, on these issues, and some even focus on mental health. So I'm wondering what
0: sets your book apart? Well, I love answering this question Nicole, so I'm going to jump right in. Um, you know, we th- we happen to think that there are an awful lot of good books out there about um nutrition and health and even some on mental health, but they they don't answer what in my opinion is an a critically important question. And this is a question that our book does address. It's not just how you should eat, but why. And so I hearken back to when I was a child and we were taught to eat properly, and we all know what properly is, basically. (laughs) Um, Why? They never even mentioned the brain. It was all about strong bones and strong muscles. And so that's what we were taught. We were eating for when, in fact, the brain is the most metabolically active organ we have, and the general public doesn't know that nutrition is relevant to the brain. And it's not just the general public. Its physicians constantly have said to me for years, Bonnie, those vitamins and minerals you study, they're not important for the brain, right? Well they're critically important, but we aren't taught what they do. So I could give you an analogy, but I think maybe I'll leave it there and just say every minute of every day. Minerals and vitamins are enabling your brain to produce things like neurotransmitters, enable brain cell communication, etc, And you want to optimize that communication in your brain.
1: I see. And so can you talk a little bit uh, to the layperson like myself, about how does this then impact upon mood stability, let's say, and stress?
0: Do you want to talk, take this one, Julia? Sure,
2: oh sure, no I can go ahead and I just wanted to add, can I first add to what uh, Bonnie was saying about what makes this book unique? I think Mm -hmm. something else that really makes this book unique is that not only do we explain why we need the nutrients that are contained within real whole foods, but we also explain why in some cases that may not be adequate. So a lot of the, some of the book is dedicated towards talking about the research that Bonnie and I have been involved in over the last, you know, for her it's been two decades, for me it's been over one decade, is that is is looking at the effect of giving people a broad spectrum of vitamins and minerals in a pill form and what effect that has on psychological functioning and um, psychological health and in particular looking at people who are struggling with issues like adhd or depression like you're raising or stress and so we explain why that the additional nutrients may be helpful, and um, you know some of the reasons that we go into are things like uh, some people maybe may need more nutrients than they can uh, get out of their food, beca- possibly because of where they they are at in their in their life in their life stage. So you raise stress there. So when people are really really stressed, they may need more nutrients than what they can get out of their food, and um, the reason for that is that we're, we've evolved to uh, need—we've um, evolved to uh, survive when we're faced with a stressor, like a—you know—if you're—if you're in an earthquake or if you're a flood, to make sure that you get it to safety. So we really fo- the 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 brain uh, the body is going to prioritize the fight flight response and Mm -hmm. over it prioritizes it over all other functions and the term we use in the book is called the triage theory which is that there's a triaging system that's happening where it's the the body's going whoa the survival function needs to have the nutrients now which means that other things other other parts of the body like your ability to regulate your sleep or your concentration or your moods is is then put to the to the side so when we give people more nutrients at a time like that it seems to provide the extra support that the other functions need as well mm-hmm. in times of great stress, particularly chronic stress. So um, so I just wanted to say that that's something also also that's very unique about this book is that we go into that detail about the life situations or genetic differences that may mean some people need more nutrients than what they can get out of a really good good diet. And we mm-hmm. certainly all, we certainly advocate for diet first and food mm-hmm. first, but it, um, it may be that you need some extras. And you also talked about um, uh, the soil
1: depletion being a possible factor.
0: Exactly. Yes, I was going to say that's another way in which I know our book is unique, is that we're the first ones to uh, tell the general public about this link to our soil depletion, and you know, our so we talk about microbiomes. We have a microbiome in our mouth. We have a microbiome in our in our um, gut, which is the one that everyone talks about these days. But there's also a microbiome in our soil, and that's what's being destroyed, and it's having an impact on the nutrient density of the food that we consume. So even if you haven't inherited the need for an unusual amount of minerals and vitamins to make your brain cells communicate well, you might be thinking that you're eating well enough to get sufficient minerals and vitamins, and you aren't. Not because of your, it's not your fault. It's because we are Really, seeing a decrease in the nutrient density in the crops that were all over the world that we're dependent upon,
1: mm-hmm. and that's a whole other episode. I think about monoculture and pesticides and 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 and, and that and right. That's right. A, That's a whole. That's a whole yeah. uh, other uh, subject. You know what I think would be so. Interesting for our audience is if you could talk a little bit about some of the research. Um, I know Bonnie, you were involved in some of the aftermath of the Christchurch massacre, and Julia well, the other way that's around. That's Actually, other yeah. way around. I'm sorry, she's from Christchurch. Yeah, and other way. And then the um, and then there was this enormous flood in um, in Canada. So you actually. Uh, had a living laboratory in which you could test out these nutrients. Can you talk a
2: little bit about how that went? Sure, I guess I'll start with that one, Bonnie. Absolutely, um, go ahead. So I was in the, so back in 2010, September 2010, I was involved in doing our first, it, for me, randomized control trial looking at the effects of vitamins and minerals in pill form uh, on on adults who were struggling with symptoms associated with ADHD, so attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And when, um, during that time, we had uh, various different trials going on, and then suddenly we had this earthquake, and it was a 7.1 earthquake, I think it was. It was massive. Um, And it was just outside of the city. It it was uh, not um, it didn't uh, no one was killed and there wasn't a huge amount of damage surprisingly uh, but it was an opportunity to test a question which is well what happens when you are taking vitamins and minerals in, a, in a, a level that's greater than you would typically get out of a, a, a diet or a typical diet? do those people recover more quickly from the stress associated with the earthquakes and the ongoing aftershocks compared to people who weren't taking the nutrients? And because we had Charles going, it was, as you say, a natural experiment. And uh, you know, our, our, our lab became sort of a natural laboratory to test that question. So what we found was that, yes, everyone got stressed. It was very stressful having ongoing earthquakes and aftershocks, but people who were taking the nutrients recovered more quickly. Compared to those in our studies um, of people who weren't taking the n- nutrients, and that was only because of where they were at a trial. Either they'd they'd finished some, the, the, a trial or they hadn't started. So we could ask that question. Then uh, the Christchurch earthquakes of twenty of uh, 2011, February 22nd, we had a far more devastating earthquake, and that was in the city. And 185 people died. That you know, thousands of people were injured, and our city was dis- was our central city was destroyed. We're still dealing with that aftermath of rebuilding the city. So at that that point, we could ask a different question, which is, if you give people nutrients after a really stressful event, what happens? So uh, we we didn't do a placebo control trial. It's not ethical to do it that way, but we were able to use different doses and um, use a B-complex versus a broad spectrum, which is where you have the additional minerals, and also compared to people who we call treatment as usual. They're just a group of people who choose not to be in the study, but we allow us to follow them over time. And they might do nothing, they might seek medications, they might get counseling. So they're just individuals um, who are experiencing the same events. And what we found was that we absolutely stunning. And that was that the people who were on given nutrients, whether it was a B complex or a broad spectrum, showed really substantial and significant improvement in their stress, their anxiety, and their mood relative um, and then compared to those who who didn't have the nutrients they pretty much sort of stayed the same so and we were monitoring them over a fairly short period of time four to six weeks but even a year later those who had been given the nutrients were doing better than those who hadn't received nutrients so it was a pretty stunning um, and remarkable finding and and so easy to intervene with nutrients when you are faced with a really challenging uh, stress and stressful and life-threatening situation So then I guess over to Bonnie to then talk about the next step in this research.
0: So if you haven't had enough of earthquakes, I'm going to tell you about a flood and a wildfire. So in 2013 in southern Alberta, we had a really massive, you know, supposedly once in a century kind of flood. And I'd never seen anything like it, but I, I lived on a hill. So I put on my Boots and stuff, and went out and helped lots of people. And Julia called and said, "Bonnie, <laughs> go tell your mayor. <laughs> this is go tell your mayor. Go tell him what he should yes. be doing." And of course, I knew she was right, but I also knew I would be ignored. So instead, what we did was another study, Julia and I together. She still had her online data collection system available. And so we went out and recruited people. And as she said, it's you cannot use a placebo in a crisis Mm -hmm. situation like Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And so we had three groups. One group got a broad spectrum. Uh, micronutrient formula. Another got the B-complex because there is this international literature showing that B-complex in the general population can be very helpful in um, improving resilience. And we had a comparison group of a thousand I use vitamin D. Now I didn't think we would find anything, Nicole, because there's Julia. She's had five months, roughly 8,000 earthquakes and aftershocks in that five months in her community. Why would we find anything in a in a community where we had a single event and all of us who lived on hills went out and helped everybody and the whole city got behind, you know, I mean, it was just a, an amazing outpouring of support for a single day event. But do you know we found exactly what Julia had found? And that is that both the broad spectrum and the B complex in this general population sample, they weren't clinically diagnosed. They all did better in four to six weeks, significantly better than the comparison group. Now the one last thing before we're going to go back to Julia for the final step, but the next summer, my, um, we had this massive forest fire in Northern Alberta. And so I did, this time I did go to the mayor and I <laughs> did go to our health services and I did go to lots of people and said, at the very least, give them B complex or just tell them it's cheap. It's easy. Go buy a B complex in the drugstore. We had tens of thousands of people who were displaced. They can't cook. Go buy a B complex, uh, one and take one a day every morning. So. Absolutely. No, the psychiatrists blocked me, the dietitians blocked me. We did nothing and then the next summer after that, our province published the results of mental health. And instead of the curve going down, Nicole, it went up 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 for both mood and anxiety disorders and referrals to psychiatrists.
1: And that's a great segue because Uh, Some of this book deals with this dilemma of this robust research showing that people really improve on these nutrients, yet you're faced with suspicion and it's seen as kind of fringy.
0: Right. Now, Julia, I think, should describe the final step in with the um, the mass shootings in Christchurch and what she went through with that. And that is very mm-hmm. much relates to what you're saying. Is that okay? That,
2: that, yeah, sure. So um, in 2000, March 15th, 2019, a gunman walked into two mosques and shot and killed 51 people and injured another, I think it was 43. Uh, uh, people who were praying um, in these mosques. And it was a horrible event. I mean, for the United States, this is unfortunately not an unusual event, but for New Zealand, incredibly unusual. We've never had anything like that happen to us. So, um, and it actually led to the change in the gun laws in New Zealand uh, within about a four-week period. So it was a very substantial effect that um, event that really had an effect on our community. So at this point we have the t- we've got the earthquake studies and the flood study. And in if this had been a drug where we showed the dramatic uh, dif- benefit of using these nutrients, it would have been probably. Uh, received FDA approval and uh, you know put onto the insurance system or into the public or be paid for by the public healthcare system in New Zealand um, but that's not how it works with a something that's not patentable is probably one of the problems mm-hmm. but also it it doesn't fit the paradigm of, of how drugs work so I, I and I was in a I was a, a you know I'm a white woman who's I'm not Muslim I didn't have connections in the Muslim community I didn't think it was appropriate and um, or necessary to do any more research, it was a time to act and to translate research into practice. So I did what Bonnie did um, after the flood and after the fire, well, after the fire in particular, was to contact everyone and they people know me in New Zealand it's a country of 5 million and I, you know the mayor knows me in christchurch and the the local mp's have all met me and even the prime minister have met her as well so i've i've uh, i i tried to enlist their um their support to provide the nutrients to the, the survivors of the mosque shooting. And, uh, you know, I got sent around and around in lots of different circles and wrote lots of different letters and spoke to lots of different people. But the end result was that no one would support it and no one would pay for it. So what we decided to do as a lab was to fundraise and raise the money to give the nutrients away from our lab. And so we did it as a very much as a grassroots um, effort. We had members of the Muslim community who were very keen to support this and help distribute it. I wasn't the one giving it to them. I was just the one who was giving it to these people who would then deliver it to people who asked for the help. And there were a lot of cultural issues, like we, we helped more men than women. Um, men were not wanting to go and see a, a psychotherapist, which was what was being offered. They didn't want to access medication, but they were willing to, to uh, take nutrients because mm-hmm. it fit really well with their worldview. The cat so we had- it's not stigmatized. Exactly, yeah, the nutrients aren't mm-hmm. stigmatized. There's nothing on the bottle that says that it's treating mental illness. It's just about good mm-hmm. general health. So um, we had really great success as a this sort of, almost this underground movement of giving out mm-hmm. nutrients within Christchurch. And we monitored them clinically uh, with similar measures that we had used with the flood and with the earthquake. And we saw exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. which was okay. the great benefit in the reduction of post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms associated with the the uh, shooting so we we really were um, you know it wasn't surprising to us I'm now trying again because we published those clinical findings and so I'm, I've sent it again to all the people who said no and I'm giving it another go I've sent it to the local MPs and saying please and the next time this happens could we be ready to give out the nutrients could you accept this now um, so that I we don't have to go around and round in circles again. So we'll see how that goes. I haven't heard back. They promised they'd get back to me last week. So, um, mm. but I'm not surprised that, that they haven't f- fulfilled that promise. So that's- that do,
1: mm. do you have any optimism that the new administration in the US might be more of an ally um, in terms of, uh, you know, mental health issues and looking outside of big pharma? I'll let Bonnie go for that one.
0: Uh, yeah, so I, I, my roots are in the U.S., as you know, Nicole, and I'm pleased that the new administration is very tuned into science and very tuned into um, imp- you know investing in mental health. There've been a few hints about that, but um, you know, if they turn to psychiatry to guide them, then we're back to the old thing about psychiatrists are not taught about the things that they need to, I mean, they just don't know about nutrients, so they're, you know, you tend to tell people to avoid the things that you don't know about. We Psychiatrists in general, this is a big generalization, but um, integrative psychiatry is beginning to grow, but in general, um, psychiatrists will tell their patients, don't take minerals and vitamins. They aren't useful for your mental health, and that's, And we hope that 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 our book will have it. Yeah, we hope our book will help change that attitude if they read it, <laughs> if we can get the right people to read it, how do we how do we get to the uh, administration in the US to get some key health related people to read our book? Maybe that's the question for you, that's, Nicole.
1: <laughs> that, well, I'm not linked up with the Bidens right now. But I, I have some ideas about who uh, maybe we can talk to. And we can we can talk about that off mic. Hey, lovely listeners, I have something really special to share with you. I recently interviewed Dr. Elise Baylou, who is the founder of Mindfulness in May. Every May, thousands of people worldwide join the program featuring the world's best experts and build mental resilience through committing to 10 minutes of meditation per day, while also raising funds to address the world's most urgent global issues. Over the last eight years, Mindful in May has taught over 40,000 people to meditate, while raising $800,000 to bring clean, safe drinking water to the developing world. The Well, I'm going to give out five free registrations for Mindful in May to the listeners of Zestful Aging who write the most descriptive and original five-star review of Zestful Aging on whatever platform you use to listen. And after you rate the show, please copy and paste your review and send it to me at ZestfulAging.com with instructions on how to contact you. The contest ends April 30th and I'll be joining the program in May and I can't wait. And please check out mindfulinmay.org. It's really special. Look for Elise Baylu's episode coming soon. Now, back to the show. So this is um I'm very curious as two professional women dedicating most of their professional life, careers, to this research and seeing this, you know, what what would be uh, in any other situation sort of a miraculous treatment effect. And so you have this, you, you see the clear benefit, and yet you have to deal with suspicion, hostility, um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and there's this um discounting and and almost ridiculing mm-hmm. of these findings of what you're doing and I'm just wondering as as people um how do you negotiate that?
0: You develop a thick skin. Mm. <laughs> That's for sure. That's right, <laughs> Julia. Why me that one? That's yeah. Right. <laughs> why don't you describe what just happened to you on Twitter? Talk about ridiculous constant oh, hostility.
2: Oh, that's true. Well, except that's got nothing to do with the pharmaceutical industry. That's got to do with right. the fact that we talk about. Um, uh, oh, we. I mean, it's just about uh, the the. The suggestions around what you should be eating and so we mm-hmm. get attacked but from both ends we get attacked by vegans and by meat eaters that we're you know either we're, we're advocating for one type of diet versus another when we're not we just base it in research which is that eat real whole foods that may include some fish that may include some meat um, but certainly it includes a lot of plant food uh, but not necessarily exclusively it does in fact the research doesn't currently support an exclusively plant-based diet for the benefit of your mental health if you're someone who's struggling so if you're Mm -hmm. you're healthy and you're happy and you have no psychological issues and you're vegan then that's that's probably a diet that's working really really well for you n N equals one. Yes. (laughs) But but if you're if you're a vegan, and you're struggling with these Mm -hmm. issues, then it might be a time when you need to revisit this, I appreciate that it's hard, it can be hard to either because for ethical reasons, or for Mm -hmm. climate change reasons, people may decide they don't want to go there. But they're doing that at the they're they're having to compromise their men- potentially their mental health in order to achieve those other goals. Fortunately, in New Zealand, those are less of an issue because of a greater ethical treatment of our animals, as well as having grass fed animals and um, and in terms of climate change, the footprint here is such is just a non issue relative to the states and the way they raise their animals. So it's a different issue, but. Um, that can be a problem and but I mean just going back to sort of your question around how do you manage it I would say the way it what keeps me going in the times when I kind of go I'm so fed up I just I'm just so tired of the the red tape and the hoops and the hostility I could do something different is the people who we help and that's what keeps it going we don't help everyone I certainly don't want to give that impression that everybody is cured by micronutrients. Um, it, there are complicated stories and, and, and issues that people present with and challenges that make it, um, that are, for whatever reason, making it more difficult to respond to this intervention. It may not be the right intervention for them or they may need additional other interventions like psychotherapy or, you know, they may need a little bit of medications. So. It's not going to be the it's not the cure all for everyone. It's just that there's lots and lots of people out there who do benefit, and they let us know. I certainly have come you know had thousands of emails over the years, um, particularly since I did a TEDx talk um, in 2014. Where I've had, you know, a, a mill over, you know, I think it's at one point seven million views. Yes, which that's is what a lot. I saw. Yeah, <laughs> so I've had a lot of a lot of emails, a lot of contact over the years, and that's kind of what keeps you going is the is the people who you've helped rather than the people who are getting in the way.
0: So I want to add one thing to that because uh, long before I think I even knew Julia. I had tried studying diet and did study diet for a while in a a different context and stepped away from it. And I remember figuring out that I never wanted to study nutrition again, of course I did, but anyway, I never wanted to study nutrition again because everybody thinks they're an expert. Why? Because everybody eats. I wanted to study something where people knew that they had to have real knowledge before they could become a fanatic or whatever, but I was so tired of people being so opinionated. Um, anyway, but yes, what keeps us going is that we see that it's real and what, may, what motivated us to write the book is that it is just horrible that the public is not being told about this research and, I mean, instead what they read all the time is don't take vitamins, they're going to kill you. Well, I mean, we evolved to require vitamins and minerals so we know that that's nonsense but that's what they're getting in the media, and it's, we just need to try to wake people up to the fact that there is a whole story out there that they're not hearing about.
1: And it's, uh, the story is told by um, industry that has massive uh, advertising funds. Mm. Yep. It is really remarkable to watch television and see these commercials like oh your antidepressant isn't cutting it why don't you try abilify mm-hmm. i mean you know it's just <laughs> like oh do you have bipolar 1 I? I mean as if this is just this is just something that we we talk about and we know about and and of course we're going to run and take the next medication
0: and maybe the reason your antidepressant isn't helping you enough is that you're treating a, nutri- a suboptimal level of nutrients for your brain to function with a medication instead of giving your brain the nutrients it needs. As Julia said, that's not the explanation for everyone. It's, there's no magic out there, you know, but we know what we see. And for some people, they simply have uh, a hungry brain.
1: Mm-hmm. I see. The other aspect of your work that's very, very different is that you do not uh, receive financial compensation for when you refer people to um, for nutrition, for um, supplements. Most people, I think, would assume in the U.S. that you are on the board or that you are getting a cut from, you're sort of an affiliate for every single um, bottle of supplements that are sold.
0: No, I I think I'd like to address this first, Julia, because I helped set the policy on this. Um, I was trained in the '60s and '70s and and early '80s uh, with my you know, and all my degrees are from the states. And at that time, I watched what was happening. I saw this revolution happening. Um, where we went from no legitimate scientist would ever accept money from a company to, oh, the only pharmaceutical research that's getting done is by people who are funded by pharmaceutical companies. And pretty soon it was, oh, the pharmaceutical companies are actually running the clinical trials and they're paying doctors to put their names on the articles. And I know that because I... As a professor in a faculty of medicine, I would occasionally get a letter inviting me to put my name on some study that I hadn't been a part of. So I mean, that's I, this transformation was really appalling to me. And so when I started studying the broad spectrum micronutrient approach, there was no company but eventually the two gentlemen in Southern Alberta who had had this breakthrough idea of using a broad spectrum of nutrients at once, um, Tony Stephan and David Hardy, eventually they did form a company and I just thought we had better stay arm's length away. And yeah. so with their assistance, we drafted a policy and it hasn't changed and this has been 25 years now and or close to 25 and what we said was they would never ever fund studies they would pr- always be willing to provide free formula and placebo for any ethics approved especially academic study because that's where you can get the proper support to do a decent study like what Julie is doing um, and and, you know, we academics wouldn't have any way of of buying the product, so they would provide the product at no cost. And even if they didn't like the results of the study, they would have no say in it. Yeah. So they would stay hands off. And we have been very clear about that all along. And, in fact, as I always say, I won't even let these people buy me a cup of tea. I don't. <laughs> You know, I just don't want
1: ties, you don't want obligations. I think that that, you know, I read that in in your book, and I thought, this, I understand it, I appreciate it. But as somebody who's, you know, born in the US and so used to this and a mental health professional, it it really took me a minute to to wrap my, my mind around that.
0: Well, if you were born as I was in the 1940s, you <laughs> you would see what a difference it is. You're uh-huh. obviously a lot younger than I am, <laughs> Nicole. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, but it's been a very, very important uh, way develop. I mean, that was a, an incredibly important document or, or agreement that Bonnie developed with the, with the um, Tony and David. So I followed suit, but it doesn't mean that people don't think that you have ties, and so I've been accused of it. Bonnie's been accused oh, of yes. it, Jeez. and so you know, we've I've been I've had all of my finances invest had been forced to be investigated because when you work for a university, everything is open is is open to the public. They can use the Official Information Act and request uh, all information on your funds. So I've always been exonerated by the by the university and shown that I have no affiliation. But it's very stressful when that happens that you've been asked to provide all of the detail of mm-hmm. your funds. A lot of our funding is philanthropic, so we've had people who donate money to our research. In fact, that's what got me going in the first instance and was a uh, what allowed me to do that research after the earthquakes was that I had re- recently received a philanthropic donation to get this study on ADHD going. Uh, but at the same time, it meant that when that earthquake happened, I had the funds to be able to pay research assistance and to, um, you know, just the cost associated with running that study, I could just get on with it and not have to apply for a grant, uh, which would have delayed it by months and months and would have meant mm-hmm. that you would never have been able to do the study that you want to do. So it's it's been really um, wonderful to have that level of philanthropic support.
1: I, I would think so. So I wonder what we can um, say to our audience who are listening and saying, this sounds very interesting. I want to look into it more. Besides buying uh, your book, The Better Brain, what's the next
2: step for them? Hmm. Uh, um, I, well, I think that would be the messages that are in the in the better brain, Mm -hmm. uh, which is to focus on food first and that okay. is to really reflect on the foods that you're eating which is uh you know if you're eating a, a diet which most uh, you know half of the of Americans get their no how is it no 50% of the caloric intake of Americans comes from ultra processed food Is that the right Am I think I'm, yeah, I'm that's, suddenly, that's yes, what that, I was, Yes so that, that means was
0: thinking, yeah.
2: so uh, so many Americans are getting their calories from ultra processed food and that's your foods that are in the typically in your supermarkets or in your your gas stations or in those, you know, 7-Elevens, those foods where they're packaged, they're highly processed, and they provide you with very few, if not none, no nutrients that are required for the brain to function, like to make the neurotransmitters or to ensure that your body gets good energy or to help repair DNA, et cetera. So that's the first step would be to really reflect on the foods that you're eating and start slowly shifting towards more real foods, you know, whole foods, mm-hmm. uh, foods that you cook, uh, foods that your grandmother would recognize, mm-hmm. those types of foods. I would say that's the first step. That And that's okay. something that all of us can do. All of us can start that change. And it it doesn't have to be expensive. We give lots of tips on the book about how to do that, um, Uh, Cheaply and it's a myth that it has to be expensive and I would really I push back now when people say oh It's too expensive to eat. Well, and Mm -hmm. I'm like well And that's often a reason why people don't even bother to try is they just think it's going to be impossible So I think we really need to push back that we can eat well on a budget Mm
1: -hmm. It sounds like oh maybe the first thing that folks need to really understand is the brain is pretty greedy right and it needs a lot of nutrients even though it's a small part portion of our body weight and that we need to be very mindful and intentional about feeding it properly so it can do what it needs to do
0: absolutely if that's why this is kind of where we started out nicole that's why i think it's so important that people know why they have to eat nutritiously. I mean, it is estimated that less than 15% of Americans or really any Western country, less than 15% of the people are getting the minimum number of fruits and vegetables per day. That means 85%, and that's probably conservative, are simply not even trying very hard to consume Um, good healthy food. And so what does that mean? Well, they turn, they're turning to ultra processed food and they they don't know that Uh every bite that they eat is feeding or not feeding Uh their brain. Uh So that's absolutely the first thing is to teach them why we have to pay attention to this topic.
1: I, yeah. And I think that that's something that we need to hear again and again. I was in the grocery store and sometimes I look at particularly heinous examples of processed food and, I, and I'm, I'm sure you, you might do this too, but I saw because it's Easter coming up um, oh. <laughs> and, and I saw that they had yellow Peeps breakfast cereal oh, oh God. and i <laughs> thought you there's nowhere to go from mm, there yeah mm. you
2: know you've really hit the bottom
1: yeah, yeah.
0: To go, go, do ahead, sure. go
1: ahead?
2: okay sure um just on that note i've i've been running an online a free online course uh on edx platform it's called mental health and nutrition and one of the the discussion tasks of people who are taking the course is to, to, you know, go into your cupboard and reflect on, you know, talk about what's on the labels of, of packages. And what has been really an eye opener for me, I suppose not surprising, but and still an eye opener to see that this is uh, relevant across the whole world, because there are people from all over the world who are taking this course, is that the focus of the label is on your fats, your carbohydrates, and your proteins? So if you read the, the nutritional information, that's the most of the information is about that. You might get some information about one or two of those micronutrients. Maybe they might say a little bit about vitamin C or how much um, uh, vitamin D might be in that product but they might, they'll at most list maybe two or three. They won't list the full, you know, we say about 30, so 15 minerals and 15 vitamins. We talk Mm -hmm. about that in the book uh, of, of, of minerals and vitamins that you need, and they're just not listed. So the food, the packages aren't aren't directing the public to think about it so we really do have some a lot of work to do with the food industry to change the messages that they have on their packages i joke in the in this the the online course about how there's these star ratings or there's traffic light systems it doesn't exist in the states but they are available they're um they're on packages in new zealand and australia and in the uk about what's essentially the more stars is about what's not in your product. So, you know, if it doesn't have sodium, low in sodium, low in sugar, low in calories, low in saturated fat. So that's pretty much makes up their star rating. And then one star rating for having, possessing only one nutrient like iron. So I, I say essentially a cardboard box would, would almost hit a five-star rating, but that doesn't mean you should eat it. So it's just a terrible rating system. So the messages are not focused on on thinking about what you should be eating um, rather than what you shouldn't be eating, so. But I know, Bonnie, you had more to say.
0: Well, I, I'll just uh, add to what Julia just said is, you know, if those ultra-processed, quote, foods, unquotes, which are really just chemical soups, if they were had a lot of vitamin C in there, then they would be required to list it. There are levels at which, you know, when there is enough of certain things, you've got to put it down. But there isn't enough of all those 30 micronutrients to bother and that's why the labels are, I mean, what they are. So it's the public we need to really educate.
1: Have have either of you had a chance to look at Mark Bittman's new book, Animal Vegetable Junk?
0: No. Oh, well. Wow. I've heard it recommended. Yeah, it's
1: excellent, and um, I think you would love it. It just came out, um, and I am um, in his email uh, uh <laughs> inbox saying I would l- so love to talk to you about this. I think you'd find it fascinating. It's the culture of food, and and a lot of what you're talking about, and who gets to decide mm. um what people are eating. So, I'm going to uh, wrap it up here because I know that both of you are busy. We're dealing with three different time zones. Uh, but I just wanted to say that it has been such an honor for me to speak with you today, Bonnie and Julia. I, your work is so important. And um, I just want to thank you for that.
0: You're very Where welcome. I, you're ahead, very sorry. welcome. So we've talked a lot about the importance of educating um, our physicians, educating the general public. We also have to educate our, uh, our funding bodies because it has been almost impossible for the people wanting to do, there's so many studies that need to be done. You might think that this is wrapped up, it is not. There are so many questions we have that need to be addressed but it's very hard to get funding for any study, especially in the US, any study that doesn't study just a single micronutrient at a time. So you can get a grant to study um, even obviously vitamin D, obviously omega-3s, whatever, but to study a broad spectrum, it's sent back. They don't want to look at it. And so one of my, I'm retired, one of my retirement activities has been, um, I set up philanthropic charitable funds uh, one in the US and one in Canada and we've raised almost $900,000 already um, and all of it is distributed and it has been funding research in Canada, the US and New Zealand um, uh, including a bit of Julia's work, she's had many other philanthropic donations also But the point is that I don't want to keep doing that, (laughs) okay? Um, We need more scientists and we need more, a louder voice at places like NIH saying, why isn't there funding available to study this? Mm
1: -hmm. I think that's an excellent point. And this idea that you keep running into roadblocks um, when the research has been so clear. Um, And, you know, it must be incredibly frustrating. And I give you credit for persevering. So let me just end by asking you, where can our audience find you and find out more about your work and your research?
0: Our website is thebetterbrainbook.com. Aha,
1: okay. The Better Brain Book. Dot com. And I will put that in the show notes. It's coming out at the end of April. Um, and you talk all about how people can um, obtain some of these uh, n- nutritional supplements. You obviously look at the research, some of the obstacles. It's an excellent book, highly recommended. And um, again, I so appreciate your work and your persistence in this. And it's been a real pleasure for me to speak with both of you today.
0: Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thanks, Nicole. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you
1: about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried, But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out Cope Notes Dot com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds, um, and I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Now back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff.